faith builder. Faith is the building block upon which everything else in our life grows. Do you believe in Jesus Christ? Awesome. He is the only way, truth, and life. It is in Jesus, our faith in Jesus, where everything flows. We have an opportunity to add to our faith, build upon our most holy faith, and grow in faith. That is my goal, to grow in faith. Thank you for tuning in to Faith Builder today. If you are blessed, subscribe to the podcast, share it with others, and consider rating our podcast. This will help us reach further than we could by ourselves. Your help in this is deeply appreciated. Faith Builder. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. And in the process of the screen going bad, um, study I like to record it because sometimes I can pull out some of it and share it because it can be very beneficial I think video and sometimes makes it a little counterintuitive or distracting I guess is a better word but uh, you know you may ask questions comments and I can take it out and uh, use it as a as a point of teaching so kind of like that video I made you know I, I could basically share that with a lot of people and they could benefit multiple times. So that's that's all I'm doing here. Um, so we talked about yesterday. I wanted to kind of lead you through the fundamental, basic concept of answering the question: How did the first believers experience salvation? And I think that's kind of a foundational thing to understand. Uh, a lot of people understand parts and pieces, but if there's anything someone would comprehend and have a grasp on with confidence is to be able to say, I was saved and experienced salvation just like they did in the Bible. And so that's kind of, because I think we, could, we, we can know that. Okay. Because a lot of people, and I know you've seen this, uh, if you ask them how to be saved, their answers will be all over the map. Some people say you need to pray the sinner's prayer. You need to ask Jesus to be in your heart. Uh, some people say that you need to repent or you need to be baptized. Some people say you just need to believe. Right. And so I think it's important for us to understand what the Bible says. And uh, as I said in those uh, videos that you watched, uh, we don't want to base our answer on tradition. You know, this is what I heard, this is what I learned. But this is what the Bible says. And so you can say, well, this isn't what Martin Luther said or John Calvin or Pastor Bob or my mama. But this is what the Bible says. And so from that, uh, if you've got your Bible, we'll, we'll start out in John chapter 3. And that's kind of a beginning point that I think puts everything in context. You know, uh, there are four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And Matthew, Mark, and Luke, they follow a common narrative. They, they for the most part, tell the same stories. 
They share this, the same teaching. And so basically what you get when you read Matthew, Mark, and Luke is you get kind of different perspectives of the same event. They're not contradictory, they're complementary. So one may say this, another one says this. It's not contradiction, it's a compliment. It's, it's adding to a fuller picture of what happened. Uh, the Gospel of John was written decades later. Mm-hmm. The earliest Gospels written, many, most people believe, was the Gospel of Mark. And, and what followed next, I believe, was the Gospel of Matthew and the Gospel of Luke. And it's about uh, one or two decades separates those in the, when they were written. The Gospel of Mark was written more than a decade after Pentecost. So those Whoa. followed, and they followed kind of a pattern. I think they just they added their perspective to what, what Mark had written. And so what that gives us, the Scripture says, let, let every word be established in the mouth of two or three witnesses. And so what you have in those three Gospels, synoptic, they cover the same thing, is you have three witnesses for what Jesus did and said. The Gospel of John follows a different narrative. First of all, he wrote the go- his Gospel uh, um, when he was in his 80s. Which means he hadn't lived that much? Well, it's in that season of his life. Oh, okay. Uh, uh, basically, all of John's writings happen when he's an old man. Oh, okay. so, so I believe through the inspiration of the Holy Ghost, the Lord motivated him to write things that needed to be added to the gospel narrative. And so John chapter 3, I think the point could be made, it is the first uh, the first story uh, uh, of Jesus' ministry that, that John begins. Because a lot of the beginning is you know, kind of foundational theology. In the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Same as in the beginning with God. Uh, it's kind of a foundational beginning as opposed to Matthew and Luke lay out the genealogy of Jesus from a, uh, a human perspective. John lays out the genealogy beginning as a divine perspective. Jesus Christ is the Word made flesh. Okay, So, so John in chapter 3, beginning with verse 1, if you want to read that, just starting at verse 1. Verse 1, see then? There was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. The same came to Jesus by night and said unto him, Rabbi, we know that thou art a teacher come from God. For no man can do these miracles that thou, ha- that thou doest, except God be with him. All right. Keep reading. Jesus answered and said unto him, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, Except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Right, go ahead. Um, Nicodemus saith unto him, How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter the second time into the mother's womb and be born? Jesus said, and Jesus answered, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, Except a man be born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. Keep reading. That which is born of flesh is flesh, and that which is born of spirit, uh, of born of the spirit is spirit. Marvel not that I said unto thee, you must be born again. You must be born again. And so 
that is the beginning point. Jesus here in this setting states, if you want to get into the kingdom, if you want to see the kingdom, you've got to be born again. Now, we understand John chapter 3. In that chapter are some of people's favorite scriptures. John 3.16, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. It's everywhere. People wear it on T-shirts. Uh, Tim Tebow put it underneath his eyeballs and, and grease paint. Right. There you go. It's, it's, a, it's, an, it's an awesome scripture. Right. But a lot of times people don't understand John 3.16 is in the context of a conversation Jesus had with Nicodemus. Okay. And it begins with Jesus' declaration. If you want to see the kingdom, you want to enter the kingdom, you must be born again of the water and of the spirit. And, I, and we need to remember that as we continue to read through the gospel narrative, water and spirit, is is key because we're going to see this this pattern uh, play out as we continue to study this scripture. Just writing down water. And spirit. Oh yeah, right. Uh, so. Uh, so that that's fundamental. John three one through eight. Now we're going to turn in our Bible to Matthew chapter twenty eight. This is Jesus, um, and it probably one of the most quoted scriptures. Uh, Jesus has been resurrected. He has been seen above four hundred people. He is about to ascend into heaven and these are Jesus's parting words to those that uh, see him ascend Matthew chapter 28 beginning with verse 18 I'm going to read this and Jesus came and spake unto them saying all power is given unto me in heaven and in earth go ye therefore and teach all nations baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. Amen. So I want, I want you to notice, verse 19, Jesus is telling them, I have all the power. In heaven and earth, I have the power. And then he says in verse 19, Go ye therefore teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost. Now we understand name is singular. And he gives us three designation of that single name. Father is not a name. Mm -hmm. Son is not a name. Holy Ghost is not a name. These are descriptions of God. And there's a singular name that is connected to those three designations, Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. And, and he connects that, and it says, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever commanded you. So whatever they do from this great commission is, is how they fulfill that. So Jesus gives them the formula, and what we see them preach is the, the result the, the, the understanding, the revelation, the things Jesus taught them, they're going to fulfill that when they begin to baptize people. 
This is the only time you find this formula, Father, Son, and Holy Ghost in Scripture. Every time they baptize, they don't baptize in this formula. So the question we have to ask, if Jesus chose these disciples who become apostles, were they disobedient and baptizing them in people in Jesus' name? Or were they, in fact, fulfilling the command by baptizing people in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost? And that name, I would suggest to how they did it, is Jesus. Jesus, the Lord Jesus Christ, is the name that is above every name. That at the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow, every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. And so it's very important to understand Father's not a name, Son's not a name, Holy Ghost is not a name. So when we're talking about baptism, the, the power of understanding who Jesus is and the power of his name, it, it it's as we continue to read, we're going to see it. it it's, it's, it's revelation. It's, it's incredible. It's powerful. And it's not a denomination. It's not a tradition. It's in the teaching and the pattern the apostles established in obeying Matthew 28:19. So the next scripture we're going to read is Mark chapter 16. And uh, we're going to start reading at... Verse 50, wow. Yeah, 47 verses. I think the longest chapter is in the book of Luke. <coughs> in the New Testament, of course, Psalms 119 is the longest chapter in the Bible. Right. Might take, it's, it takes it's, a while. It's a wonderful, wonderful, one of my favorite chapters. So Mark's, Mark 16, uh, Jesus says... In verse 15, you can read that, starting okay. in verse 15, chapter 16. And he said unto them, Go ye in all the world, and preach the gospel to every creature. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved, but he that believeth not shall be damned. So I think the point could be made, when you believe, you get baptized. If you don't believe, you don't get baptized. So the proof of faith, he that believeth and is baptized. If you don't get baptized, that means you don't believe. I mean, um, there was like an argument. Um, I kind of thought it made sense. But like, say the thief on the cross never got baptized. Right. But that's because he was nailed to a cross and couldn't get baptized. Well, it's also a different dispensation. Uh The Bible tells us that Jesus Christ died under the law. Okay. The new covenant didn't begin until Pentecost. But specifically, the Bible says, for the te- for the for a testament to have power, the testator has to die. So, testament, your last will and testament. Right. If you leave me your Hot Wheel collection, oh okay. If I come take those Hot Wheels before you die, I I didn't inherit them. I stole them. Oh okay. So the thief on the cross died in a different dispensation. The thief on the cross died in the Old Testament. And the Old Testament uh, requirements and stipulations are different than the New Testament requirements and stipulations. And so uh, uh, that that's key to understand. The thief on the cross 
is not a New Testament believer. The thief on the cross is an Old Testament believer. And here, where he was, he was dying beside the lamb. <laughs> right, okay. He, he was dying beside the high priest. He was dying beside the judge of the earth. And if the lamb, the high priest, and the judge of the earth says to you, you're going to be with me in paradise, that is a unique uh, paradox mm-hmm. that the chances of someone being able to experience again are impossible. Oh, okay. I mean, you mean to tell me if that's if that's normative, that means for you to be saved, you need to die on a cross next to Jesus. Wow. Well, that means nobody else can be saved. So that's not normative. That's not a principle. That's not a pattern. That is a an anomaly in Scripture that people use to discount what the Bible plainly states. Jesus said, He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. Where's the thief on the cross? Well, Jesus said he's going to be with him in paradise. Who's going to argue with Jesus? But that's not how everybody gets saved. Because if everybody gets saved by dying beside the Lamb of God and the high priest and the judge of the earth, then nobody else can be saved but the thief on the cross. Yeah, that makes sense. That's logical. and that's... I've never heard that. But, I mean, I've only, like I said, I always wondered about baptism. I think, well, I would read the Bible. Right. And I would uh, hear on the radio or something that, yes, you should get baptized. You know what I mean? Oh, absolutely. As, I, a, public, very... as a public confession. It... A public show of an inward work. Right. Right. And I thought. Well, and that's what most people, most people believe you're saved when you believe. But as we continue to read, we'll find that the apostles did not believe that. The apostles did not preach that. That the apostles preached and taught and demonstrated in their ministry, in the acts of the apostles, that belief alone did not equal salvation. Oh, okay. And we'll see that. It's very clear in Scripture. And I think it's, that's, but the thing I want to point out in Mark chapter 16 and verse 15, he says, he that believeth and is baptized shall be saved, but he that believeth not shall be damned. These signs shall follow them that believe in my name. Have we read this yet? Um, No, we we read up to, I read. um, We read verse 16. Right. And so verse 17. Okay. And these things shall follow them that believe in my name shall they cast out devils they shall speak with new tongues, and they shall take up serpents, and if any drink any deadly thing, it shall not hurt them. They shall lay hands on the sick, and they shall recover. So the thing I want to point you to, that in this connection of believing and being baptized, Jesus says there will be miraculous signs follow his name. Mm-hmm. Say that with me, name. Huh? Name. Name name. So Matthew 28, 19, he said, in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost. And Mark, he says, in my name, ye shall cast out devils, ye shall speak with new tongues. Uh, you'll lay hands on the sick and the shall recover. Those are purposeful things we do. The idea of taking up serpents and drinking poison, that's not something you do on purpose. That's something that happens to you in the pursuit of doing something on purpose. The example of serpents is Paul gathering sticks to throw them in the fire. A snake jumps out and bites him on the hand, and he shakes it off in the fire, and he doesn't die. And it was a viper. It was a viper. So so that's a fulfillment of Mark 16. 
he was bit, but he didn't pick up the snake on purpose. He picked up the snake on accident. accident. Oh, okay. So, so casting out devils is purposeful. Speaking with new tongues is part of the process of being saved. Laying hands on the sick is a promise that happens to a believer. In His name, we lay hands on the sick and pray for them. But I, I just I want to point out the fact connected to baptism. Jesus says this is the same setting. This is the ascension. This is right before Jesus is taken up. It's the last words of his ministry. So what Matthew said, he said that. And what he says in Mark, he says that as well. They're not recording different things. They are recording uh, the, the same event and recording the part that stood out to them and that gives us a full picture of the Great Commission. So now we're going to go to Luke chapter 24. Okay. And it's a long chapter as well. It's got 53 verses in it. Okay. Uh, Luke, get a minute here. This is a brand new Bible, so it's sticky here. Luke 24, and we're going to start at verse 45. Uh, and, and, at verse 45? Verse 45. Okay. It says here, Then opened he their understanding. This is Jesus. Okay. Then opened he their understanding. Go ahead. That they might understand the scriptures. And he said unto them, Thus it is written, and thus it is behooved Christ to suffer and to rise from the dead the third day. And that repentance and remission of sins should be preached in his name among nations beginning at Jerusalem. And ye are witnesses of these things. And behold, I send the promise of my Father upon you. But tarry in the city of Jerusalem until ye be endured with power from on high. Very good. So here, here we see, we, 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 he doesn't mention baptism here, right? But he says, beginning at Jerusalem, let, let repentance and remission, another word is forgiveness, let repentance and forgiveness be preached in my name beginning at Jerusalem. So there's the word name again. And he's adding to the, the, the context. What happens in, in, in the name, in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost, in my name, uh, 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 lay hands on the sick, speak with new tongues, uh, cast out devils. And here in Luke, he says, let repentance and forgiveness of sin be preached in my name beginning at Jerusalem. So you see, there's kind of a there's kind of a picture being drawn, and what it was beautiful is is these things we're reading. It's all going to be fulfilled in one scripture, and then you're going to see it play out throughout the rest of the book of Acts. So uh, we're going to turn to the turn to the book of Acts, Acts chapter one. And uh, what Acts, Acts, Luke and Acts are written as companion books. Okay. They are both written by the book by by the by the the writer Luke, and it appears that he wrote them with the idea of writing a contiguous connected narrative. Here's what Jesus did. Here's what the apostles did, and he opens the book. Oh, the former treaties have I made speaking of the book of Luke 
O Theophilus, of all that Jesus began both to do and teach, until the day in which he was taken up, after that he, through the Holy Ghost, had given commandments unto the apostles whom he had chosen, to whom also he showed himself alive after his passion by many infallible proofs, being seen of them forty days, and speaking of the things pertaining to the kingdom of God, and being assembled together with them, commanded them that they should not depart from Jerusalem, but wait for the promise of the Father, which which saith he, ye have heard of me. For John truly baptized with water, but ye shall be baptized with the Holy Ghost not many days hence. And verse 7, And he said unto them, It is not for you to know the times or the seasons which the Father hath put in his own power, but ye shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and ye shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem and all Judea and in Samaria and unto the uttermost parts of the earth. So this is almost like a fourth uh, uh, um, a fourth recording of what Jesus said on that event before he ascended. So the first one was uh, going to all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost. The second one was uh, he that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. He that believeth not shall be damned. These signs shall follow them in my in my name. They shall cast out devils, speak with new tongues, lay hands on the sick, and they shall recover. And then Luke, let that repentance and forgiveness of sins be preached in my name, beginning at Jerusalem. And here he says, at Jerusalem, you're going to get the you're going to receive the promise, the Holy Spirit, the Holy Ghost, and fire. It's going to happen in Jerusalem. Okay. So we're going to move to Acts chapter 2, and there in Jerusalem, the math tells us how long they waited in Jerusalem. The day of Pentecost means 50. It means what? 50. 50. 50. Okay. And what that means is that 50 days from Passover, Passover was the the beginning uh, of kind of the, the, that, that segment of, of uh, uh, what's the feast P- okay. uh, Passover Jewish feast they were required to appear before the Lord at the temple uh-huh. devout the, the devout Jews that it was capable of going to Jerusalem they would go to Jerusalem three times a year Passover Pentecost and Tabernacles oh okay and so 50 days from Passover which was when Jesus was on the cross mm-hmm. they took him down right before the Sabbath of right. the of the Passover so 50 days from the death of Jesus comes Pentecost. He rose three days after his death. So that's three days. Then he was seen alive 40 days after his resurrection. He ascends. That leaves us seven days. So for seven days from the time that the Lord ascended in Bethany to the time that the Holy Spirit was Fallen down at Pentecost was seven days, so they were waiting in Jerusalem for the spirit, the the, the spirit of the Comforter, the, the Holy Spirit, the power from on high. They were waiting because Jesus said, "Wait in Jerusalem until." Did they know it was going to happen at Pentecost? I don't know, but they were going to. They're waiting until, and so when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. What that says is. At the beginning of the day, and when the day of Pentecost was fully come, 
And we understand the beginning of the day was 6 o'clock in the morning about. So they were awake, they were aware, and they were together when the day began at so 6 o'clock. 6 a.m. they were all together. So I believe the reason why they're awake that early together in the same room and they're in one accord is because how the Jews celebrated that there was a, there's, it, at Pentecost there's all kinds of connected celebrations. There's Pentecost, but what previous, the night before, they celebrate the reception of the Torah. Mm -hmm. And the devout Jews would celebrate the giving of the Torah the night before Pentecost, they would stay up all night reading selected passages of the of the Torah, celebrating God giving them his word. And when you're talking about the Torah, you're talking about not only the Ten Commandments, but right. uh, a lot of the Levitical laws, possibly, or... Psalms and Psalms. Proverbs. Okay. Uh, many people believe that they recite a lot of Psalms. They, they have, or they're selected reading, but they were, all, they were all in one place and in one court. I believe they were all reading or listening, sitting, while someone was reading. Oh, okay. They were listening to the reading wow. of the Word. And while they were in one place and one accord... This is powerful. Yeah. Uh, what's this say? And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled all the house where they were sitting, and there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as a fire, and it set upon each of them, and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. I'm going to summarize what happens next. The Bible says there were devout men out of every nation dwelling in Jerusalem. Why were they there? Because they're devout Jews. The devout Jews would show up at, at Jerusalem to celebrate those three mandated feasts. And it tells us where they were from. They were Parthians, Medes, Persians, uh, dwellers of Mesopotamia, and in Judea and Cappadocia and Pontus and Asia and Phrygia and Pamphylia and Egypt and parts of Libya about Cyrene, strangers of Rome, Jews and proselyte Cretes and Arabians. This is what they said. We do hear them speak in our tongues the wonderful works of God. Now, in that day, they weren't like Americans. We speak one language right. and probably not well. Me, myself, I speak one language and I have my Texas, Mississippi accent, right. and my grammar's probably not perfect. My diction and pronunciation no, is yeah. probably inferior. But in that day, they were multilingual. So they're Hebrews. They're devout men. They were Jews. Mm -hmm. So they spoke, spoke Hebrew. They would speak Greek or... They, 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 were, they, were, uh, they were no doubt uh, a part of the Roman Empire, and they spoke Greek. They also had their local dialects from where they were from. Yeah, that's just true today. It, it, it's right. true today and different if you're not in America, most people speak English because it's a lot of people speak English because it's the international language of business. Well, uh, yeah. And and so in Germany, they know right. the, but that probably in Germany there's probably dialects there. Oh yeah. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I think I, I read in Russia there's like over a hundred different languages in the country of Russia. I know I went to the Philippines, and the Philippines, I I believe someone told me, it's been a long time, 
But I seem like I remember they told me there was over seven hundred different languages in the in the islands of the Philippines. Yeah, they have like a they have like Tagalog is their they're probably most widely spoken. Right. But the vast majority of people they all learn English. It's right. like Germany. Right. They they speak. You have Bavarian German. Uh-huh. You have Northern German, uh-huh. and they're all different. Right. But they have something called High German, the uh-huh. written language. Right. It's like we have written English. Right. And then we have our spoken. Mississippi has their dialect. Right. Alabama has theirs. Right. Texas has theirs. Right. California has theirs. Right. Well, like like for yeah. instance, so so here they are. They are hearing them testify the power of God in their distinct right. languages. languages. Okay. So and, and and the wonder is is they are like these are Judeans. Uh-huh. How do they know this dialect from the hills of Fergia? That's impossible. Right. And is. so it was a wonder. Like how do they know this? This still happens today. I heard this. I've heard. I've collected stories like this. There was someone in. I think it was in the Dallas Fort Worth area. Uh, they had an exchange student from France, and while she's in the worship service, she hears someone, I believe, standing near her, and she starts speaking in a local dialect in France that her grandmother spoke. Wow. And she has not heard anybody else speak that language since her grandmother. Wow. And she hears this person in Dallas, Texas, saying, speaking the about the power of God, about God. And she's like, well, how does she know her language? And she she knew this is a miracle. There, there's a young exchange student that went to Heinz Community College just right down the road here. He is from us. Uh, it's a it's an African country that speaks Swahili. Uh, South Africa, in South Africa, they speak. Wait a minute, they have Swahili down there. Yeah, yeah but it's but where I don't. It wasn't South Africa, but it's, it's one of those African okay. countries around there that speaks Swahili. And he went to a Pentecostal church in the area, and uh, you know he went. He don't know anything, and he is he's he's standing beside someone, and he hears them speaking Swahili. And and he was just he was like he's like just in awe. A young man was teaching him a Bible study about speaking in tongues. He said, "That's why the people at that church were speaking in Swahili." <laughs> so it's like a confirmation that we we have a hard time confirming that because we just speak one language. Right. But I know people that have went from America and went to Russia and Africa and 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 the, the Latin America and in the process of a worship service. They will hear someone speak in in English and walk up to them after the service and try to talk to them in English, and they don't know what they're saying. So it's exa- exactly what happened here happens every day. The Bible says, though I speak with tongues of men and angels. So there are uh, people that speak in tongues. They are speaking in a known language that can be understood by someone that is from that area that speaks that dialect, and then there are there are tongues that are heavenly tongues, and no one but God can understand it. But but the sign that the Bible says that this sign that they were hearing, the Bible says some wondered, and some mocked. And Peter said, uh, "Let's see here, verse fifteen: For these are not drunk as ye suppose, seeing it is but the." third hour of the day. So the from the day of Pentecost fully coming, six, the third hour of the day is nine o'clock in the morning. So for three hours, what started in the upper room 
with just people kind of doing their thing through the night till the day comes, it, it breaks out into the street. And they are praising God, worshiping God out loud in languages they don't understand. People from around the world are hearing them, and some think they're drunk. And Peter says, oh, they may be intoxicated. <laughs> they may be acting crazy. It's a Pentecostal service. If you've ever been in a Pentecostal service, someone that's unfamiliar, they're like, man, these, these people are drunk, right? He's saying that they are intoxicated. But this is that which was spoken by the prophet Joel. In the last day, saith God, I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your young men shall see visions and your old men shall dream dreams. And on my servants and on my handmaids, I will pour out in those days of my spirit and they shall prophesy. And I will show wonders in the heaven above and signs in the earth beneath, blood and fire and vapor of smoke. And so Peter starts preaching, okay? And, and I believe there was a witness in the spirit. These people are watching a phenomenon. They're hearing this, the phenomenon, the, the, the thing that was intriguing them and causing the people to gather around is they heard these people speaking in tongues. It wasn't a, just a... They didn't, they didn't know what was happening. They just could hear people speaking in tongues. And, and, and Peter gets up and begins to preach to these devout people that had been there at Passover. They had been there and probably were part of the crowd that said, when asked, what shall I do with Jesus? There were some there that probably raised their voice up and said, crucify him. Give us Barabbas. Because they saw Jesus as a, as a false prophet, a false teacher, blasphemer. blasphemer. And Peter gets up and says, and they've heard about Jesus being, being resurrected. There's no doubt that spread like wildfire. There was in the air uh-huh. an understanding there's a lot of people saw Jesus. Something happened to Jesus. So they're all aware of this. So it's not just they were they saw Jesus potentially die on the cross, but they heard he had resurrected from the dead. And here is Peter connected to not only something they could hear that was supernatural, I suggest they could feel something that was supernatural. And Peter gets up and he concludes his sermon in verse 37, 30. Start at verse 36. Okay, 236. Therefore, let all the house of Israel know assuredly that God hath made the same Jesus whom ye have crucified, both Lord and Christ. And I want to just point out what he said was a mind-boggling thing. He said God hath made Jesus Jehovah and Messiah. When a Jew says Lord... He's not talking about someone who sits in a throne and, and rules people. Mm-hmm. That word Lord is Jehovah. Right. Yahweh. So he is uh-huh. saying that, that God hath made Jesus Jehovah and Messiah. I have a question about the name of Jesus. Um, I heard it means, I'm not, I don't have any, it says God is our, or Jehovah is our salvation. That's right. That's is, right. Is that correct? That's right. Oh, okay. That's right. That's right. So, uh, so, so after he told them, "You crucified Jesus, who was Jehovah. You crucified your Savior." Uh-huh. And their response, I'll let you read that. Okay. And now, when they heard this, they were pricked in their hearts and said unto Peter and the rest of the apostles, "Men and brethren, 
what shall we do? I just want to point out, this is the first time someone asked, what do we need to do because of the wrong we have done? Men and brethren, what shall we do? This is the first time the Bible mentions the question mm-hmm. after the resurrection of Jesus. And this is the first time that the apostles are able to obey the commission of Matthew, the command of Mark, the admonition of Luke, and the promise of the first chapter of Acts. This is where the church was born, and this is the gospel command for those who believe the gospel of Jesus. Okay. So what does Peter say in Acts chapter 2, 38? Then Peter said unto them, Repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. For the promises unto you and to your children and to all them that are far off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. And with many other words did he testify and exhort, saying, Save yourself from this untoward generation. Then they that gladly received his word were baptized, and the same day there were added unto them about 3,000 souls. And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship and breaking of bread and in prayers. And so the, the, the point I want to answer is that the way the first believers experienced salvation is they were not asked to repeat the sinner's prayer, to sign a church card, to enroll in a, in a doctrine class. Uh-huh. They were commanded, repent. Remember chapter Luke, let repentance. Like, yeah. And, and every, repent. Then Peter said to them, repent and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins and ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. So all the things Jesus was recorded as saying in Matthew, Mark, Luke, is is found in this single command of Peter. He covers repentance, he covers forgiveness, he covers baptism. And if you see, Peter connects forgiveness of sins to the baptism in Jesus' name. For repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of sins. And... Where does it says be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ? I know it's in Acts. What? Well, it it it's, it, it, it does the, say that. It, it does absolutely. It, it says it right here. in um, I Acts two thirty eight. Oh, okay. Wait a minute. Let me see. Um, oh, okay. I'm sorry. I missed it. Yep. All right. For that, the remission of sin, uh, every one of you in the name of, of Jesus, Jesus Christ, Christ for the remission, remission of, of sins. sins, and you shall yeah. All right. I'm and you just, shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. So that's that's key. Is that it wasn't a. He didn't say only believe. He didn't say confess with your mouth and believe in your heart. He said repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ. Where a lot of people make a mistake in dealing with the question of how to be saved is they take texts out of Romans, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, Galatians, but they fail to recognize that Romans is written to a to the church in Rome. It's not written to the sinners in Rome. Ephesians is written to the church in Ephesus. 
Galatians is written to the church in Galatia. Timothy is written to a Christian leader. These the epistles were not written on how to get saved. They are written how to live saved. So only the only place that we are given the narrative that explains the how of salvation is in the Acts of the Apostles. How the apostles obeyed the great commission of Jesus to establish the church. Whatsoever things I have taught you, teach them. That's where we find out what Jesus taught them because of what they did and said. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. Okay. So we're going to go to Acts chapter 8. Okay. Because we, I, the scripture says, let every word being established in the mouth of two or three witnesses. So this isn't just a one-time thing. It happens over and over again. And uh, in uh, Acts chapter 8, beginning with verse 5, I'll read one, you read the next, and we'll just read through this. Then Philip went down to the city of Samaria and preached Christ unto them. And the people with one accord gave heed unto those things which Philip spake, hearing and seeing the miracles which he did. For unclean spirits, crying with a loud voice, came out of many that were possessed with them, and many were taken with palsies, that, and they were lame and were healed. And there was great joy in that city. I just want to point out, he preached Christ to them. There was deliverance. There was healing. There was great joy. And I'm going to skip over the story about Simon. It, it's 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 fine just to, to be uh, to summarize bottom line Simon was a sorcerer and he was evil he, he yeah. was evil but he also believed on Christ and he also was baptized really oh I guess we can read it oh. there was a certain man called Simon which before time in the same city used sorcery and bewitched the people of Samaria given out that he himself was some great one to whom they all gave heed from the least to the greatest, saying, This man is the great power of God. And to him they had regard because that of a long time he had bewitched them with sorcery. But when they believed Philip preaching the kingdom concern believed Philip pre- preaching the things concerning the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus Christ, they were baptized, both men and women. So they believed, right? And they were baptized. How were they baptized? Um, in Jesus Christ. Right. Verse 13. Then Simon himself believed also. Uh-huh. And he when continued. he was baptized, he continued with Philip and wondered, beholding the miracles and signs which were done. Okay. So, so I want you to see. They believed. Mm-hmm. They were healed. They were delivered. They had great joy. And they had been baptized. Nowhere does it say, Philip said, well, just believe. No. Because when they believed, they got baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. The Acts of the Apostles, is, yeah, I've read a lot about that. Right. And I always, it was always like I was hearing two different things. Right. And then um, I guess I didn't study enough, but uh-huh. I would always, there was always this question in my mind, Baptism, I think, is a little more important than what it's being made out to be. Right. Well, the reason why they cannot allow baptism to be important because their doctrine is faith alone. But isn't it 
Okay, they got those three Latin. Yeah, things. solo, vita, so, uh, solo. Christ alone, grace alone. And the, the scripture alone. The scripture alone, that's right. But the challenge is that's a mantra that I believe scripture alone is true. And I believe we are saved by grace, but the scripture never says grace alone or faith alone. Yeah, I was always wondering if it's all alone, then why are they mentioning all three? But it was just, I always, my thing is, is I'm learning that I always had this feeling like it was about this time last year uh-huh. is when I think God was like move, starting to move. Right. I, was, I just felt a need. I don't know why I prayed. Right. I just I I wanted just to pray. Right. I wanted to get right with God, but I had no idea how to do that. Right. Well, and I th- I think to me your 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 story exemplifies many's journey. Many people are looking, and the challenge is there's a lot of people tell you a lot of different things, and you're like, well, what is true? And so I think the beautiful thing is, for instance, faith alone. There, I, I was telling a semi- a seminary student one time. He was washing the windows at my church. And uh, I asked him, I said, well, he was writing a paper. I said, what are you writing a paper about? He said, I am writing a paper on faith alone, how we're saved by faith alone. And I said, well, you know what, I'm going to be bold to tell you. I said, there's not one scripture in the Bible where the word faith and alone are in the same scripture. No, no, I'm, let me alone. finish. Okay. Yeah. Faith alone, where those two words, faith and alone, are together. I said, but hold on, let me check. So I pulled out my phone, and I pulled up my Bible app, and I typed in faith, space, alone. And alas, I was wrong. There is one scripture that says, has the word faith and alone in it, and this is what it says. (laughs) It's such a beautiful thing. Uh, It's in the book of James. Uh, You don't have to turn there. I'll read it. Uh, Faith. I'm going to type it in right now. Alone. And this is is the only scripture. Faith and alone are in the same scripture. Even so, faith, if it hath not works, is dead, Mm -hmm. being alone. Oh, okay. So the only scripture where you find those two words is stating that faith alone is erroneous. It's a false doctrine. Faith is like just part of it. Well, well, f- faith is more than an idea. You know, I can believe in George Washington, mm-hmm. but that's not faith. Faith in God. The Bible says any man that cometh to God must believe that he is, is. and a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. There's two dimensions of faith. Okay. You yes. believe in God and you know he is going to reward you for pursuing him. So faith is belief and pursuit. Uh, the, the just shall live by faith. We walk by faith and not by sight. It's a progress. It's a journey. And anyone that's been told and believed and lives a life that reflects all it takes to do to be saved is to believe in Jesus. They have believed a lie. And if the Lord doesn't speak to them and they don't do better, they are they'll be damned because you're not saved by faith alone. Well, for example, my understanding of just my reading of the scriptures mm-hmm. and nobody's ideas that I always I, I had to find or God found me. Right. I didn't find God. God 
kept drawing me right. all my life. Right. And I was like, well, wh where are you? Because right. you have Jehovah's Witnesses, you have this. And I would, I would look at all of them. Right. And I came out worse than when I had, right. you know. Well, that, that's the challenge with a lie. Right. You can believe a lie and you'll be damned. I truly believe for a long time because what I was looking, because I'd been gone so long from the United States and in Germany they have the charismatic anyway. Long story short, I looked at by I, I looked at a scripture that said, "By your their fruits you shall recognize them." Mm -hmm. And I have to admit, and it's sad that I have to admit this, but the Jehovah's Witnesses were one of the few people that were actually living what I thought was a Christian life. Right. I mean, it was not just a belief that they had; it was right. a way of life. Oh yeah, they're very, they're very uh, devout. Right. And the thing is, is that. Um, I'm looking around and everybody's like, well, no, fornication is no big deal anymore. And this, this is, no is in Germany. Yeah. Well, I mean, even when I came back to the United right. States, certain things weren't preached in the churches right. because oh, of seeker well, sensitive. And I'm looking at all this and I'm thinking, <clears throat> right. well, is this okay? Because it's, what do you call it? The flesh wants to do. Oh, we want to be deceived. We love darkness. The Bible says the reason why they. They rejected Jesus is because they loved darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil, and, and so that there's right. a lot, the challenge is a lot of religious leaders, they really are more of a tool of the devil, because they don't shine the light. They encourage people to stay in the dark by telling them things like, "Well, all you got to do is believe. All of us sin a little bit every day. Nobody's perfect." Uh, uh, in all these little comforting words. Rather than telling people to repent, they're telling people to believe. Do you need to believe? Absolutely. But true faith will repent. Isn't sanctification the process? Like, for example, I kind of was, I, I got, I talked to a guy, like I said, I was working in Gulfport, and mm -hmm. I, and I, there was two people that were Christians. One uh -huh. was a Baptist, and one was an apostolic. Right. I talked to both really briefly, uh -huh. and then the one, Guy from the Apostolic, he's a really nice guy. I really right. like. What's his name? Sorry, I, I got his number. It's been so long. Yeah, that's no problem. But um, he, he's down in Bogaluska. Okay. Anyway, he went. Anyway, he pointed. I said, uh, I think I need to be baptized. Right. And he brought me some papers, uh -huh. and I'm looking at. I mean, I'm really at this time of my life, I was a, really messed up. Right. And I thought. I think. I said. I'm. Got rid of my girlfriend. Right. I said, "Okay, God, that's, I'm, that's repentance." Yeah, I believe that 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 that, that that's kind of goes back to what I t mentioned to you yesterday. What is grace? The Bible says, "The grace of God that bringeth salvation hath appeared to all men, uh -huh. teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lust, that we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this pres present world." And that's the key. What is grace? Some people communicate grace as some doting grandmother. It's all right, sweetie. When in reality, the grace of God is the spirit of conviction that says to us, you need to stop doing sin. Well, there was, I, I mean, I didn't become, well, I, I left and I started searching around, right? And so I went to some place, I think it was like a, I don't know. I think it was Pentecostal or something. And they were, and I'm listening to what they say. I go up there preaching against sin. I'm going to stay here. And they were, but it just seemed like everybody was. I love that far. quote. You said, if they preach against sin, I am staying here. 
Right. <laughs> Man, brother David, that's that's a that that's the sign of a hungry heart. I mean, that's a beaut- I wish we were videoing this today. Oh. I'm telling you, you this is this is so well, such is, so good. Because I was hearing what people were telling me. Okay, the Jehovah's Witnesses weren't telling me what I wanted to hear. Uh-huh. But they, but I, I, care, I read a scripture that says you must be born again, right. and they don't believe in that. Right. Uh, Jesus Christ is is not just the Son of God; He is God. <laughs> right. Anyway, I just knew these things. Would, and I don't, right. And anyway, just, and I believe that's the work of the Spirit. I believe, no doubt, the Scripture is what affirms. But the Spirit of Truth, the Bible says, when the Spirit of Truth has come, He shall guide you into all truth. And so truth isn't simply an informational exchange. It, it is accompanied by a spirit confirmation. So when you hear what you know the word says, I mean, we, you've had this experience while we've been talking. Yesterday and today, you feel that witness of the spirit that says, this is right. This is right. This is right. Because I know I've read it, but it's not just you've read it. You feel it. And I, you like feel I that said, witness. I was looking at a lot of things from, like I said, I was pretty rough around the edges, and I right. still kind of am. Right. But well, we all are, and our our edges are different places. Well, for example, um, I was at a certain place, and I still needed a lot of work. Mm-hmm. But life still happens, whether yeah, you're, hate, you know, life still, anyway, that. I'm getting all, I'm trying to, like, find God, and I had this, I don't know what you want to call it, a spirit of religion in, in a sense that I uh, I thought this thing where the Jehovah's Witness kept like pulling at me. Right. And I'm thinking, and I didn't know what to believe, but I knew that I got baptized in the name of Jesus. I know, I'm almost, he said in Jesus' name. He said, right. you need to be baptized in Jesus' name or Jesus Christ. Right. Um, so that's what I did. Right. That was like the one thing that I knew that I felt I had to do. Yeah. And from there, the journey began. Right. Isn't that something? Well, and I think that's part of being born again, being born of the water, which is baptism. That's the key in this Bible study is that to understand that that the directions Peter gave in Acts 2, and Philip is following the pattern. He preached Christ, they believe, and they are baptized in Jesus' name. But I want us to get to the next scripture sure. in verse, uh, it's Acts 8 and verse 15. Acts 8, 15? Okay, I'll read it. Oh, it's actually verse 14. Verse 14. Now, when the apostles, which were at Jerusalem, heard that Samaria had received the word of God, they sent unto them Peter and John, who, when they were come down, prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Ghost. Okay, so they had joy. They had been baptized, but they didn't have the Holy Ghost yet. So water and spirit, they are separate and distinct from faith. So faith isn't necessary, right? But baptism is necessary. necessary. And in addition to having been baptized, they haven't received the Holy Spirit yet. That's what it says, right? Right. Verse 16. For as... Yet he was fallen upon none of them, only they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Go ahead, keep reading. Then lay they their hands on them, and they received the Holy Ghost. Very good. And and I could we could read, but I would say to you that something supernatural happened when they laid hands on them, 
And Simon said, hey, give me this power so that whoever I lay hands on them, they receive the Holy Spirit as well. So it wasn't just nothing. They didn't just lay their hands on them. Okay. And we can interpret what happened by what happened in Acts chapter 2. Uh, and, and the Spirit filled the room where they were sitting and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. And we can show, let's go to Acts 10. Okay. That's our next uh, stop wow. on the Holy Ghost train. <laughs> okay, Acts 10. Acts 10. And so I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to summarize some of this. Okay. <clears throat> and, and I'll read some of it. But Acts 10 there was a certain man in Caesarea called Cornelius, a centurion of the band, called the Italian band. This is what we know. The Bible tells us about Cornelius, a devout man and one that feared God with all his house, which gave much alms to the people and prayed to God always. So this is a good man. Mm-hmm. Prayerful, faithful, merciful, uh-huh. kind, and 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 the, the Bible tells us he had great reputation. A devout he saw in a vision, evidently about the ninth hour of the day, an angel of God coming into him, saying, "Cornelius." And when he looked on him, he was afraid and said, "What is it, Lord?" And he said unto him, "Thy prayers and thy alms are come up before, up for a memorial before God. And now send men to Joppa." And call for one Simon, whose surname is Peter. He lodges with one Simon, a tanner, whose house is by the seaside. He shall tell thee what thou oughtest to do. I'm going to summarize the rest. So here's a guy. He sees an angel. He's prayerful. He's merciful. He's a good man. And an angel says, sin for Peter. Okay. Right? He's going to tell you what you need to do. So what happens at this same season? Peter is up on the rooftop, and he has a vision. And in the vision, there is the sheep let down. And at this time, Peter is a devout Jew who is still following all of the Old Testament law uh, because they didn't have a complete understanding. So they are they're apostolic Jews. They're still observing the Sabbath. They're still not eating various kinds of meat. They are they, they don't know really what all this church, this Holy Ghost stuff is, right? Even though Peter kind of deals with it, he doesn't really understand it fully. And so he sees the sheet let down, and he sees all these manner of unclean beasts and creeping things. And the, the ears of the Lord says, slay and eat. And Peter says, not so, Lord, I have never putting anything defiled or unclean in my mouth. And the Lord says, Call that thou not common what the Lord is sanctified. The same vision happens a second time. Sheep lets down out of heaven, all manner of creeping things and unclean beasts. And the Spirit says, Arise, slay and eat. Not so, Lord, I've never eaten anything common or unclean. And the Spirit says, Call that not thou not common or unclean what I have sanctified. Third time, same vision, sheep lets down, unclean beasts, creeping things. Rise, slay, and eat. Not so, Lord. Call that thou not common or unclean what I have sanctified. Then the Lord says to him, somebody's about to knock on the door. Go with them. Don't ask any questions. And so somebody knocks. He goes down. Here's men. He says, I need you to go see somebody. 
So Peter obviously takes some of the Jewish believers with him. They go to Cornelius' house. And um, verse... Um, verse... So they basically tell each other the dream, the vision, the angel... And uh, Peter uh, begins to preach in verse 34. Then Peter opened his mouth and said, Of a truth, I perceive that God is no respecter of persons. So up to this point, the, the church was Jews and Samaritans, which were, Samaritans are basically half, half Jews, Jews, right? right. Mm -hmm. So up to that point, the church thought the church was going to be a Jewish church. But here all this happens, and he says, I perceive that in every nation... Uh, God is no respecter of persons, but in every nation, he that feareth him and worketh righteousness is accepted with him. Verse 36, the word which God sent unto the children of Israel preaching peace by Jesus Christ, he is Lord of all. And he continues to preach a message about Jesus. And in verse uh, 43, I'll let you read that. Okay. To him give all the prophets witness that through his name whosoever believeth in him shall receive remission of sins so hear that hear that whoever believes in uh, through his name whosoever believeth in him shall receive the forgiveness of sins isn't that awesome yeah. what I'm pointing out is just the, the repetition of everything we've already read it, it all builds upon this singular understanding that faith Forgiveness, his name, it's all connected. So what, what happens next? Um, I'm so, Verse 44. 44. While Peter spake these words, the Holy Ghost fell on all them which heard the word. Keep reading. And they of the circumcision which believed were astonished, as many as came with Peter, because that the Gentiles also was poured out the gift of the Holy Ghost. So we know they believed. Right, because what happens? They were they were amazed that these Gentiles had received the Holy Ghost. Now, how did they know they received the Holy Ghost? Next verse. Okay, um, forty. Forty six. Forty six. For they heard them speak with tongues and magnify God. Okay, so that's how they knew. They knew they had received the Holy Ghost because they heard them speak with tongues and magnify God. Um, then Peter answered. Okay, excuse me. Uh, I'm sorry. I'm. I'm. That's fine. I'll oh yeah. It. Then Peter answered. Can anyone forbid water that these should not be baptized, which have received the Holy Ghost as well as we? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and he commanded them to be baptized in the name of the Lord. Then prayed they him to tarry certain days. They asked him to stay there with. That's them. right. Wow. So. So here's a picture, water and spirit again. So they believed. This time they received the spirit before they were baptized in water. But you still see the pattern, spirit and water, water and spirit. And, okay. and how they knew that they had received the Holy Spirit because they spoke in tongues just like they did. That was a sign, the evidence, to the early believer that someone had in fact received the Holy Ghost was because they heard them speak in tongues. All right? Okay. 
So uh, our next stop is Acts 19. Now, Acts 19, it, uh, Peter uh, is not, not in this setting, but it is Paul. Paul, who later writes much of the New Testament. Uh, he, and in fact, I'll just read some of it. And, he, and it came to pass that while Apollos was at Corinth, Paul, having passed through the upper coast, came to Ephesus. And finding certain disciples, he said unto them, Have you received the Holy Ghost? since you believed. So here's believers, but they don't have the Holy Ghost yet. And uh, they said, We have not so much as heard whether there be any Holy Ghost. They said unto them, Unto what then were you baptized? And they said unto him, John's baptism. And then said Paul, John barely baptized with the baptism of repentance, saying unto the people, that they should believe on him which came, should come after him, that is on Christ Jesus. And when they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. And when Paul had laid his hands upon them, the Holy Ghost came on them, and they spake with tongues and prophesied. So, so here is yet another example. You see the symmetry and the 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 confirmation of everything that has happened. You know, some people teach that Paul preached a different message than Peter because Paul, the Lord uses Paul to help people understand that the, the works of the law have passed. We're no longer saved by the works of the law. When Paul talks about works in the epistles, mm -hmm. he is almost always talking about we're not saved by the works of the law. Because the, the, the controversy that happened in the church was you had Jewish believers that were circumcised. They forbid eating certain kinds of meat. They, 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 they forbid working on the Sabbath. They had all these rules. rules that came from God, right? I mean, oh. came from Moses. They're in the Bible. Right. And at this time, they don't have the New Testament Bible. They have the, the apostles. Right, and and here is Paul, Paul who saw a vision from heaven. He was trans transformed from the greatest enemy to the greatest apostle, and Paul follows the same pattern. Peter preached in Acts two: repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. It happens in Acts eight, Acts ten. And here, Paul is preaching the same message. Have you received the Holy Ghost? They're believers, right? So we know that if a believer that was uh, preached to by, by John, John preached repentance. So they had repented. They had been baptized with the message of repentance. They were fully repented, right? But but they were rebaptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Christ. So if baptism wasn't important, why did they get rebaptized? I'd say it's double important. Right. Because they did it wasn't enough just to be baptized with repentance. They need to be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. Why? Because that's how forgiveness comes. We receive forgiveness of sins by being baptized in the name of Jesus. That's what the Bible says. So, and, yeah. and so, in addition to that, when we are baptized in the water, in the name of Jesus Christ, the, the remember John three, he that it, 
uh, except a man be born of the water and of the spirit. Water and spirit, water and spirit. Right. These are two parts of one thing. Being born again is water and spirit. And so when you've been born of the water, then then you need to receive the baptism of the spirit. If you've been baptized with the spirit, you need to be baptized with the water because they're two parts of one thing. In Acts 10, they received the spirit first and was baptized second. In Acts 8, they were baptized first, they received the spirit second. I would say in Acts 2, they probably received the spirit first and were baptized second. And here in Acts 19, they were baptized first and then received the spirit. So it's not about order, it's about... Of fullness, you need to be born again of the water and of the Spirit. How do you know you've been born of the water? You were baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. How do you know you've been born of the Spirit? You will speak with other tongues as the Spirit gives them utterance. And those are two parts of one thing. Well, that makes sense. So when someone says, "How were the first believers saved?" the answer is easy. Summation Acts two thirty eight. They were told, "Repent." and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. And so when we read the epistles the church in Rome we can say definitively we know they repented. They're in the church. We know they were baptized in Jesus' name because they're in the church. We know they were filled with the Holy Ghost because they were in the church. And if you read Romans 8 you know they had the Holy Ghost. And if you read, Paul lays out that when you are baptized, you're buried with Christ. And so the New Testament gospel isn't just believing that Jesus was born, lived, died, buried, and was resurrected. That is the gospel. But the companion to believing the gospel is to experience the gospel. We are buried with Christ in baptism. We die with Christ in repentance. So when we repent, we die to our own agenda. We crucify our flesh. Okay. Right? We crucify our affections. So we, we are crucified with Christ through repentance. We are buried with Christ through baptism. And we are risen with Christ through the baptism of the Holy Spirit. So not only do we believe the gospel, we have experienced the gospel. Wait. When I got baptized, I didn't become perfect. <laughs> no. Well, I mean, I, I had like, you know, I, I, how can I put this? I used to be into like, for example, you know how some people read the horoscope? Uh-huh. I used to do that, all, all kinds of that occultic stuff. Right. Well, I got away from that. Right. But it's almost as if getting to where I'm at now, for, it was a, it was a fight. Oh, sure. Uh, it was like, I mean... It was scary. Right. I mean, it was like the devil pulls you back into the occult. Uh, and then I had to, one day I just said, I'm done. I do not want any of this in my life. So it was all on my phone. Uh, so I like, I, God, I, I never want nothing to do with any of this stuff ever right, again. Right. And I, I just. And that that's was, biblical. And I just said, I got, I didn't take it that seriously. Uh-huh. And I just. Boom, boom, boom. I said, I haven't went back to it since. Right. That was a while back. Well, the Bible says denouncing the hidden works of dishonesty and renouncing that the, the, there's there's something about when you just... Because a lot of people, when they think they're repenting, they're whole, they may call, call themselves repenting, 
but they hold on to stuff they know that is not good for them. Yeah, it was just something in my life that had always kind of been there for years. Right, and sometimes we don't know. I mean, the bottom line is we're in a progress. It's, and sometimes our our process of perfection, <laughs> it's a process. We won't be perfect till we go to heaven. But but it's it's pers- the Bible calls it pursuing holiness. Right. We will never be perfect, but we pursue perfection. Well, you can yeah. live a day without sinning. Okay. And just like just uh, like you can you can live a minute without sinning. It's like uh, quitting cigarettes. Right. Can you go a minute without smoking a cigarette? Right. Can you go five minutes? And the thing is, it, the Bible tells Romans chapter eight. There is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus. Comma, okay. Who walk not after the flesh, but, but after, after the spirit. For the spirit of Christ hath made me free from the law of sin and death. <clears throat> and so the key is, we have to, we have to, we have to commit ourselves. And I think what what you have shared with me, this is what you've been doing. You've been trying to pursue the spirit. So when you're trying to pursue the spirit, you delete apps that take you away from that. You right. avoid things that take you away from that. And that and I think that that shouldn't be an anomaly. That should be a testimony of every believer. The story of Job in the Bible, his testimony that God said of him, everybody said about him, he feared God and he eschewed evil. And that is faith. Faith isn't just trying to entertain and please God, but is also to avoid everything that's not God or good. And that's and that's righteousness. That is righteousness. I just knew that I had to get away from it, and God got my attention with that. You know, sometimes God grabs your attention by various acts in your life. Right. And the Lord, it was as if I said, God in front of you and the entire I was just by myself. Right. I said, I want this stuff out of my life. Right. And I knew it wasn't going to go away easy, but I, at that moment, I, w- I just, I was done with it. Right. I said, this is all a lie. Right. I go, um... I want nothing more to do with it. Right. And God, you know, I've been pursuing, like I said, just trying to get right with God. Because right. I know that Jesus Christ positionally makes me right with God. Right. Obeying. But I got kind of confused because I'm thinking, after I got baptized, yeah, I was pursuing righteousness, but I had a lot wrong with me. <laughs> you know, it was well, like, I was just kind of, I like I said, I, my life flipped upside down. I'm sure you've read Romans 7. Romans 7 talks about when I would do good, evil is present with me. The things I want to do that are right, I don't do. The things that are wrong, I do. I find within myself a law, oh. the, the law where, 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 where uh, my flesh and my spirit are at war with one another. And that's a reality. We are, we, we for instance, Jesus Christ, we are made in the image of God. When God created us, we are body, soul, and spirit, spirit, right? So truth of the matter is our body is a temporary situation. The Bible says a man is promised three score and ten and by strength four score. And that's pretty well true even though people are living longer now. <coughs> 80 years. Right. Post-flood, that's about how long people are living. You know, at, give or take a decade right. or two, right? Uh, so so our body is a temporary situation, right? So in my our bodies change. I'm 51. 51 years ago, I was a baby. Right. Right? And since then, my body has been complete, has been changing. 
I mean, I saw someone the other day <coughs> at the parking lot at our snow cone stand, and I taught him when he was 13 or 14 years old. He's 41 now. And I was just really impressed with myself. He recognized me because I was young right. and I was thin and I was good looking. Right. Now I am older, not thin, and probably not quite as good looking, yeah. right? But he recognized <laughs> me, right? And I, and I think, yeah. So, so my body is a temporary situation, but I am body, soul, and spirit. The spirit part of us is that quickening spirit. It is that thing that makes us alive. Mm-hmm. The scripture says that when we die, the spirit returned to God that gave it. Right. That spirit of life, it, it, it goes up, right? Right. So fundamentally who I am is my soul. That's that's my where my values are, where my, my dreams are, my my goals, it's my identity. Even though I look in the mirror and I identify myself as what I look like, that's not really who I am. Who I am is is the me that's going to be alive after I die, right? right. And so, so you think about that in the context of Jesus. Jesus, the man, was the body, the temporary vessel in which God manifested himself in, right? Mm-hmm. So Jesus... Inside of Jesus, like inside of me is the fullness of Scott bodily. Mm-hmm. Inside Christ was the fullness of God bodily. And when we get to heaven, when there's one sitting on the throne, who we are going to see is the body that with he- that held the, the manifestation of the God of heaven. And the name that's above every name is the name of Jesus. The scripture says, Isaiah 96 says, Unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulders, and his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. And so the name of the baby who became the man, who became our Savior, who in which we are baptized, whereby we receive the forgiveness of sins. It is in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And he is the, the, the I think it's in Hebrews, the Bible says that we see the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. And so Jesus is the visible, touchable, tangible, time, uh, traveling uh, uh, container that was that is God and we know him by the name that was given Jesus there's some things about for example in the Bible it says not everybody who calls me Lord is going to enter the kingdom of God Right. this is the thing that kind of kept me away from it got me away from the charismatic Right. movement which is you know how yeah. confusing it is I'm going to go there but he said Lord Lord did we not prophesy, prophesy in your name did we not cast out demons in your name do great works do great works mm-hmm. in your name and he said depart from me I never knew you ye workers of iniquity, of iniquity. well the thing is um, some of these churches are speaking in tongues all over the place you've got right. 35 40 people speaking in tongues 
you got people, but you also see things that are bizarre, like people making some really weird sounds. Oh, yeah. And you see uh, maybe someone getting a demon cat. You can't tell what's real with this stuff. Oh, yeah. Well, but and, and I, th- I, think the, I think the challenge with anything spiritual, Paul wrote it. He said, let everything be done in decency and order. There is an order. I mean, obviously, they were having some confusion in the Corinthian church. Mm-hmm. You study and I what know. Paul writes about speaking in tongues. Speaking in tongues, uh, some people don't understand. There are, are, are three purposes of tongues, or four. Uh, first one is it's the evidence of the Holy Spirit. When you initially receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit, based on scriptural precedence, personal experience, observation, when someone receives the Spirit, they will speak in tongues. Okay? Okay. And that's the purpose. It's a sign for you, for others. You got the Holy Ghost. Wow, praise God. Uh Second purpose purpose of speaking in tongues is for personal edification. Uh, Jude says, building yourself up on your most holy faith. Praying in the Holy Ghost. Romans says, sometimes we don't know how to pray as we ought, but the Spirit maketh intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. Paul says in Corinthians that he that speaketh prayeth in an unknown tongue prayeth unto God. Mm-hmm. He says, he that speaketh in an unknown, prayeth in an unknown tongue edifieth himself. The church isn't edified because they don't know what he's saying. But if you are praying in tongues, you are building yourself up. You are edifying yourself through the Spirit. The Bible says that uh, that when we pray in the Spirit, that the Spirit prayeth for us, through us, that the will of God be done be done to us, right? So, so praying in the Spirit, it is uh, mostly about our personal edification. Oh, okay. It's this the another purpose of praying in the Spirit is for intercessor intercession. I'm sure if you went to charismatic church, you heard that word a lot. Right. And intercession is a valid purpose of speaking in tongues. But that's not always in order in a church session because it's between you and God. You're speaking to God. Now, in a worship service, you know, in the Bible, like Acts chapter 2, the Bible says they were all speaking in tongues. Right. Right. There wasn't an interpreter. They were all speaking in tongues. They weren't out of order. They were worship. It was a worship service. Uh They heard them declare the mighty works of God. It was a worship service, right? But... If you study where the scripture talks about speaking in tongues in the church, and I've experienced it, where someone is lifting up their voice to be heard above all the rest. Right. Uh, you better have an interpretation. Right. And if you speak in your if you speak in tongues above all the rest and you don't have an interpretation, Paul says, let him pray to himself, which means don't lift your voice up above the rest. Oh, okay. The New Testament church wasn't a quiet church. The New Testament church, people, prayer is words. Right. If you're praying, you're not just thinking. You're not just meditating. Prayer is words. And so if if we're if we're having a prayer meeting, we're all praying. We're not just listening to somebody else pray. Mm-hmm. We're praying. But the purpose of, of, of the gift of tongues which Paul does deal with, is that if someone is going to lift their voice up and have a tongue, someone needs to interpret. And if someone else doesn't interpret, you need to pray that you can interpret so that the church is edified. Right? 
and uh, the gift of tongues. So I, I covered I covered the the purpose of the tongue. Tongues has many purposes, okay. and most of them are personal. Okay. But so, the gift of tongues is for the edification of the church and how you know it's a gift of tongues. First of all, it feels differently. When you have the Holy Spirit, uh, you, you, you can identify when there is a message in tongues coming forth. There's a witness. Isn't it something that the Holy Spirit comes upon you and it's not really you, it's the Holy Spirit? It, it is the Spirit. You know, he uses vessels, right? Uh-huh. So let's say, let's say somebody gives out a tongue, I have the interpretation, or if I have prophecy... Tongues and interpretation is equal to prophecy. It's, it's the same. Tongues and interpretation equals prophecy. They're the same thing. So the spirit that gives forth tongues and interpretation is the same spirit that gives prophecy. Okay. Does that make sense? And the purpose from all of it is edification. And so let's say the Lord moves upon me to prophesy or to interpret a tongue. It's going to come out with my, my grammar. <laughs> Okay. It's going to come out with my nuance because I'm the vessel. Right. God's using my brain, but it's he's flowing through me, right? And so uh, someone that has spent their life uh, reading the King James Version of the Bible and their whole mm-hmm. language, God language, is a King James Version. Right. There may be some these and thous and those and thus saith the Lord's in their prophecy or in their interpretation. If someone it may not be white tuned and they grew up reading the NIV there may not be no these and thousand those right and so it is a work of the spirit but uh, but yeah you know when it comes to the phenomenons that happen in spirit filled environments it is necessary to check the source well I've um... what I say that is there's some things that happen under in a building's under a steeple that may not be the Holy Ghost. I, I mean, that's why I'm kind of like, my, one of my main prayers is discernment. Right. I said, Lord, you know, you, I can, you know, I got a lot of life situations, uh, but I'm like, I can just. It's kind of like when the man was prayed for, he was blind, uh, and he could have asked for a lot of things. He knew that if he just had his sight, everything else would fall into place. Uh, it's like I know that if I have discernment. All these questions will be answered. I I, I I sat, I was young, nineteen years old, and in the church where I went, there was a little blind lady that was a prophetess. She wow. was mightily used of God, woman of prayer. Just she was just an anomaly, really uh-huh. special woman. And uh, uh, we were over there working on her house. Uh, she needed her shrubs trimmed, cut her grass, clean out her gutters. I was in Bible college. Right. And uh, me and a friend, every time we would go over there and work, she would have us come in, and she would have some cookies and some lemonade or something. And we'd sit there and talk about the Lord, and we'd pray, and she would prophesy to us, usually. Really? But she's just, she just on all the time. Wow. She's just giving to the Lord. She's probably in her 70s then. And uh, I one day she, she prophesied to us, and she said... Uh, in the coming days, the most important gift that you can seek for is for the gift of discernment because there will be many mighty men of faith will fall and great disaster will come. And you must pray and seek for the gift of discernment so that you do not fall and become a disaster. Kind of like, um, I know that if a prophet, because there's, there's been a lot of, I don't, I'm, I'm, 
grateful to God that I see a lot of the stuff on television. Uh-huh. People making prophecies, uh-huh. thus saith the Lord, right. that don't come true, right. which means that person is a false prophet. Well, and I'm not disagreeing with you. I think the challenge is, in the Bible, the Bible's New Testament prophesying is not equal to Old Testament prophets. In the Old Testament, if you prophesied something mm-hmm. and it didn't come to pass, they would stone you. Right. Right? That's a false prophet. We right? don't do that today. <laughs> well, and I'm glad. But I think New Testament prophecy, it's not the same thing. The Bible says, let one prophesy and two judge. So, oh, okay. so the scripture says, if someone prophesies, two people need to judge that prophecy. Now, I've been using the gifts of spirit. I, 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 my dad, uh, you, you may meet him one day. He wasn't here yesterday because he fell. He got saved as a young man. and So my memories are in the church. I grew up in a spirit-filled church. I've seen okay. a lot of things. Most of it good. No doubt some of it was fruity or weird, kooky, yeah. right? In the spirit and fill the environment, you're going to see all kinds of things because we pray for the work of the Spirit. We encourage people to be used in the Spirit. And if you're ever used in the Spirit, it's, uh, you know, it, you could miss it. And I was in a, uh, a meeting and there were people praying with each other and prophesying. And uh, there's one individual begin to prophesy. And I'm telling you, I felt like I was in a burning building. I mean, it's like everything in me said, get out of this building. Really? And I was like, I mean, I, I got to go. I mean, there's 200 people there. Wow. And I'm like, I, I didn't run, but I was, I had a running spirit. I'm like, I'm getting out of this building. I went out the building, out one door, started working toward my truck to leave, and three of my friends, we, we all were in different parts of the building, and we all at the same time arrived at the same place. And, and we all said, something wrong with that right there. And we left because even though it was a spirit-filled environment, the spirit that was operating with this one particular individual was off. Uh-huh. And, and uh, there have been people that start out right, end up wrong. And I think a lot of times in the realm of spirit ministry, ministering in this realm of the spirit, people cease to, to use discernment and they become rather than a tool of the Holy Spirit they can become a tool of other spirits that aren't holy like uh, the devil itself yeah like I, there, there, there's one individual um, um, he was greatly used of God I mean I know I know a man he was a twin and uh, his mother was barren and they took her to a meeting where the man was prophesying and praying. He's, he did. He was a miracle worker. I mean, he was just famous uh-huh. for legitimate miracles. And they took this young woman there, and uh, she, he prayed for her. And nine months later, she had a baby. Obviously, there's a man involved. You know, right, it, wasn't, yeah. it wasn't a miraculous conception, but her womb was open, and she had bore twins. And I think she had some children after that. And I, I. I because he was so greatly used, I, and I, I was in a season where I was really questing for the miraculous, the spiritual things. <clears throat> and uh, so I began to kind of study about the man. I knew he went wrong, 
because he did. He, he started basically thinking of himself as a, you know, a last day prophet. You know, oh, okay. people need to, and, and his followers ever, begin uh, to like really uh, deify him. Oh, okay, right. And um, uh, so I would read it with an understanding that this guy went off, but he had an understanding of the spiritual realm. So I want to what eat the fish and spit out the bones, right? So, uh, in the process of that, I have a friend of mine call me and say, hey, you know about this man? I said, yeah, you know, ironically, I've been kind of reading about him. He said, well, I have some family that used to be connected to them, and uh, they've been sending me books and tapes, and uh, I want you to, to listen to them. Just tell me what you think. Of course, he, he knew that there was something wrong, but, you know, we're young. We're questing for spiritual things. So, he drops by. A box. I should have told you the first part of the story, but he drops by a, a box at my house. So let me. This is pro, I'm probably 28 at this mm-hmm. point. Let me rewind about eight years. He and I are working together, cutting grass, working at Dillard's uh, together. We're just young preachers, good friends. And one day I have a dream, and in this dream, this friend comes to me, and he gives me a gray shoebox and he sets it on my table and I take the lid off the shoebox and a snake comes out of it and and it looks like a toy snake like something you'd get at Toys R Us or something like a little plastic rubber snake and 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 when I look at it I'm like wow that's neat that's interesting and then it's like it it comes alive it comes out of the box and it goes down in the carpet and we can't find the snake. Oh. So there's a snake in my house. Wow. And I'm like, and I told him about it. He was really disturbed because he brought a snake in my house. Well, you know, he had dreams. We knew, I knew it was from the Lord, but you know, what does that mean, right? So eight years later, he brings by my house a gray shoebox. Now, I don't connect it at that time. So I listened to the tapes back in, eight track days and you didn't have podcasts and you have all the stuff you have now right so I had a box of tapes and and he's a very persuasive speaker very uh, I enjoyed listening to him he had a great manner of communication and I listened to the tapes and at some point the Lord said to me leave it alone and I'm like okay I kept listening and it's like the Lord you know really like came down on me he said I said leave it alone the Lord really convicted me and I got all those tapes and the books and I put it back in that gray shoe box and I put it up on a tie shelf in my garage with the intent next time I see my friend I'll give him this back because I don't I don't want this mm-hmm. months go by and I'm fixing to make a journey I used to be a travel and work for a software company I traveled around the country for them and uh, I, I want something to listen to. So I'm like, I'll just grab a couple of those tapes. And I reach up to grab that box of tapes, and the Lord reminds me of that dream, that snake, and that gray shoe box my mm-hmm. friend gave me. Wow. And I'm like, oh, my God. And I knew the reason why the Lord gave me that dream was for that moment. I know the Lord allowed me to learn because I have had many people ask me what do you think about this man and I, and I have an interesting story to tell them 
I know the I, I probably know more about this situation than most people, and I have met dozens of people. I have people visit this church and ask me, "What do you think about this man?" And I could say, "Well, this man's most famous doctrine was known as the Serpent Seed Doctrine." The what? Serpent Seed. Summary is that Cain was the seed of the snake having sex with Eve. I've never heard that. Well, good. Don't don't look it up. But okay. I'm just telling oh, you. Oh, that's weird. Uh, it's it's in the, where the guy got it was was from Kabbalah. Oh, it's a Kabbal- okay. it's Kabbalistic some, uh, right. doctrine. Okay. Here's the deal. He's very spiritual. He quits checking the source, and in the end of his ministry, he became he had all kinds of whacked out doctrine. So he started out good, and he ended up being a tool of the devil. And cool. basically, the outgrowth of that doctrine was was a, a weird form of Calvinism, predestination. There are some people that are the seed of Cain, and they can't be saved. And there's some people that are the seed of uh, uh, Seth, and they will be saved. And if you're the seed of Seth, there's nothing you could do to get saved. And if you're the seed of Cain, if you're the seed of Seth, there's nothing you can do to be unsaved. If you're the seed of Cain, you can't be saved. I've so, heard of something like that. Calvinism, I, I don't know much about it. Well, Calvinism is Calvinism is the source for much of Protestant doctrine. Yeah, I know. I'm, I was a Protestant, yeah. It was, so, uh, saved by faith alone is Martin Luther. Right. He is well, the grace first. Alone, yeah. Faith alone, grace alone, scriptural, right. solo scripture. Uh, he he was the first major reformer. Calvin was the second major reformer. And much of Christianity is built on Calvin's doctrines and his followers' doctrines. And essentially, the doctrine of Calvin can be summarized in the the phrase "sovereign grace." Mm-hmm. And there's five uh, steps or five parts of uh, Calvinism, and it's a uh, uh, it's it, there's an acronym called TULIP: uh, total depravity. Uh, I can't quote them all, but a total depravity, uh, irresistible grace, uh, perseverance of the saint, uh, uh, limited atonement, and I can't remember the U. Limited atonement. Limited atonement. So basically, the doctrine of Calvinism is fatalism. You are cho- you are chosen by God, and if God's chosen you, there's nothing you can do to be unchosen. But if if he didn't choose you, he didn't die for you. The blood is only oh. it's only for the elect, and that Presbyterians are Calvinist. Oh, okay. And the Baptist Church, many people don't know, but much of the conflict and division in the Baptist Church are what degree of a Calvinist we are. You ever heard of Free Will Baptist Church? Yes. Or missionary Baptist Church, yes. uh, uh, the 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 doctrine of uh, once saved always saved. Uh-huh. That is one leg of the five legs of Calvinism. A lot of people don't know that's where once saved always saved come from. It comes from Calvin. So a lot of Baptists are different degrees of Calvin Calvinist. Oh, okay. 
So and a lot, I would say your average Baptist person doesn't know that. Kind of like John MacArthur. Oh, yeah, John MacArthur is He's purely Calvinist. Calvinist. Oh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, I've listened to all these people. He says some great stuff, right. and I agree. Here's the thing. I agree with a, a lot of what uh, uh, John MacArthur says, but on the areas of salvation and eternity mm-hmm. and redemption and blood and atonement, on the big things, I don't I don't agree with him well, on any of the big things. I agree with him, you know, Jesus is, you know, well, born he, of a virgin I birth. Really, I used to follow John MacArthur a little bit. Uh, um he had a thumb called Strange Fire. Oh, yeah. He hates Pentecostals. Yeah. Well, this was more like the charismatic church. Right. Uh, he but was, he hates us. He We, we, we are uh, tame to a lot of the charismatic. But he, the only people that hate Pentecostal, Pentecostalism more than, uh, than the Calvinist are the Church of Christ. Oh, really? <laughs> Well, the Church of Christ uh, reject uh, the supernatural. They don't believe in speaking in tongues. Or the no, gifts they don't of believe spirit. in music. They don't really yeah, believe they, in a lot of things. So they, they don't. In a lot of, in, you know, here's the deal: uh, a Church of Christ person, we probably can persuade them on some things, like the baptism formula, because they really believe in repentance and they really believe in baptism. So, uh, I kind of like, um, but it showed, he showed, they showed something about Bethel Church. It was something called a fire tunnel. And these people were out of their minds. Oh, yeah. And they were comparing Bethel Church to Kundalini. I don't know what Kundalini is. Kundalini is like a, a serpent kind of, where people do all this weird, you know. Oh, yeah. Like, well, the bottom line is that, that, that it's just like uh, a Moses with Pharaoh's magicians. Uh-huh. They copied his miracles. When he threw down a snake, a snake, the Pharaoh's magicians threw down snakes. Right. When he turned the water into the blood, he, they turned the water into blood. And so there, there, there is a counterfeit for every genuine. And so I think some people that start out with a genuine desire, they can become diverted uh, into... Just craziness. Kind of like, um, what's his name? The son of David, Solomon. Right. Solomon started off good. Right. But ended up bad. So bad. And uh, Manasseh started off bad, but ended up good. So you can kind of go from bad to good or good to bad. Your starting point doesn't determine your ending point. Okay. Right. I just, like, I know that I can't go do what I want. Right. I might... If I go do something I want and I repent, uh, like, okay, you know, like the stuff yeah. I was telling you about, I'm right. like, God, you have my full undivided attention. Okay, I'm done with this. Right. And because right. I knew what right. I did was wrong, it right. was like, whoa, what are you doing? And right. then that's, that, and, that's and, you don't re, and you don't continue to repeat it. Right. Then you're, okay, that's repentance. That's like, okay, I ain't going to do that anymore. Right. Well, you know, the scripture says, make no provision for the flesh. In other words, don't go out of your way to to, to do evil. Right, right. Okay. You know, you, you don't, you don't, you know. Let's say, uh, whatever your weakness is, you don't, you know, keep it saved in a drawer in your room. Well, yeah, it's like I used to just, like I said, uh, like women in my life. Uh, uh-huh. It's like I would read Galatians chapter five. Uh-huh. Neither adulterers, nor fornicators, nor homosexuals, nor drunkards. <coughs> 
the list goes on. Shall not inherit, shall not inherit the kingdom. And of he God. wrote that to believers. Right. That wasn't written to sinners. That was written to believers. So when I read that, that's all. That's there, there's either I have a choice. Either I can go out mm-hmm. and do what I want. Right. And go to hell. And go to hell. Right. And I mean, there's a chance that I could maybe make it back. Right. But there's no guarantee that I'll make it back. Well, and do you want to take that chance? Yeah. Well, and do you I, want you if you are doing if you are living in sin? Right. You are broken fellowship with God. Right. I'm not talking about I stubbed my toe and I said a bad word. Right. You know, I'm talking about going to the pub, the club. Yeah. You know, right. that, these are just the things that I used to do. Right. And now it's like, okay, I don't want to do these things. Right. I want to live in the spirit. Right. But I get, I always thought, well, you better be. I watch some people and their life is so beautiful all the time. I'm like, how do they do that? Uh, Nobody's life could be beautiful all the time. Life's uh, hard. Right. I mean, do you know what I mean? It's right. like. Well, uh, I, th- I think we are. We, the Bible says, uh, add to your faith virtue. Okay. To virtue, knowledge. To knowledge, uh, brotherly kind. There's seven of them. It's worth looking at. You might okay. go study it. And so the the, the, the 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 salvation is a process of addition. So you add to your faith virtue. What's that mean? Do right. Do right. Add to your virtue knowledge. Learn right. And ultimately add to 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 your brotherly kindness. So there's a progression, and and he goes further. He said, if these things abide in you, uh. Uh, you'll be fruitful. You'll neither be unfruitful or bearing in the work of God. And so it is the pursuit of adding to, not being satisfied or sitting on our leaves or just allowing things to stagnate. Uh, it's that process of addition. And the longer you live for God, there are fewer things you struggle with. That's true. Yeah, okay. I've, I've heard old saints say it gets sweeter as the days go by. Well, it's a lot easier Um like for example, a year ago, I don't struggle with ninety nine percent of the stuff I struggled with. I just well, and, and I think that you know, a year from now, you'll be stronger and more knowledgeable and more uh, aware of what God has done and what God is doing, because you know, I mean, you, you we've heard it said, you know, uh, uh, a dog year is every year equals seven. Right. You've heard that. Mm-hmm. Well, living for God, you know, a person that when they're born again. You know, uh, uh, how, how old are you now? Oh, I'm 59. Or 58. So 58. So a year ago, you got born again when you were 57. Right. Right? So so you're just a baby. The Bible says, As newborn babes desire the sincere milk of the word, that they may grow thereby. Right. That, and you demonstrate that you got born again, and then you're hungry. You want to more, know more. You want to know the word. And as you grow in the word, you grow. You, and you grow and you add and you grow and you add and grow and, you, and God begins to give you a sense of peace and a sense of boldness and ultimately you know the process is that you know that God would be glorified in our life in a greater and greater way and I've seen that in my life just growing up around the church <clears throat> I've known some of the most wonderful people and my observation is the older a faithful praying person becomes just the more transparent witness they become to the Lord, and and they're just just beautiful souls, and they're not beautiful because of their goodness. They're beautiful for, because of God's goodness, and the Lord just 
clarifies us and we become more like him. You know, I've heard it said, you've heard of a personality test. Mm-hmm. You know, people have different personality strengths and weaknesses. Right. I've heard it said that Jesus had all the strengths of all the personalities and none of the weaknesses. Wow. And 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 as we grow in Christ, we gain more strengths and we lose weaknesses. Now we're not Jesus. <laughs> no. We we will still be flesh, but as we grow and Christ is formed in us, some of our fleshly weaknesses become less pronounced. Oh, okay. Well, the Bible says the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, meekness, goodness. It's, it's I can't quote it. <clears throat> but but it's a fruit of the Spirit. It's not just discipline. I mean, you know, we in discipline try to sh- show the... Uh, the uh, the vis the vis the visible the hearable the seeable the touchable the feelable, we want people to think we're Christians, right? So we try to show love. We want to be kind, right. and when we're feeling like we want to cut somebody's head off, we don't, right? Right, exactly. We don't That's... want to cut somebody out because well, I'm a Christian. I don't want to be a bad witness. Right. And sometimes we do things out of discipline, and that's good. Okay. But but ultimately. An apple tree doesn't produce apples because it's concentrating and trying to produce an apple. It's a natural thing for it's an apple natural tree. outflow for an apple tree to bear apples. And at the end of the day, if we will walk in the spirit, live in the spirit, be filled with the spirit, and and read his word, study his word, meditate on his word, it's the environment, the soil, the atmosphere, the sun, the water, all of that brings into our life and what pops out. Love is going to be what pops out. It's not something we produce. It's something that comes from us because we can do nothing of ourselves. Uh, uh, he is the vine. We are the branches. Anything good that comes from us, it's God. It ain't Scott. It's God. Well, the Bible, uh, Paul said, it, I have no confidence in the flesh. Right. Uh, the flesh is totally depraved. Uh, without God, without God, right. it's totally depraved. Even if the Bible says, if the ungodly and the sinners are deceived, where will show the righteous? How, yeah, right. How if the right, no, if the righteous are scarcely saved, right? How much less the ungodly and the sinner? That's right. So we ought to really take heed to how we live. Absolutely, it's not a lot. Um, there are people that take salvation as a license to sin, right? And that's probably what you saw in Germany and in the charismatic move. Right. And I'm like, okay, there's there's something I'm missing here. But I just got away from it. I uh-huh. got into the Calvinism a little bit. But it just seemed like it. I, I didn't really buy that either. Uh-huh. But I'm just at the point to where that's why I became a truck driver. Uh-huh. Look, just go on YouTube and pray and say there's certain things that I can listen to. Right. And I go, I need to, they got to be the things of God. And right. Of course, I fumbled around and I ended up in your office. You well, know? I do believe this is a God appointment. I believe this is an answer to your prayer. It is because I really, I I kept hearing that God is one, and there's this one God is one, right? And uh, the Trinity is something that is historically uh, been through a lot of different religions. It's you want to take a break? Yeah, uh, I need to. to 
check my phone and I'm not done. If you're, I, I got time. You got time. I got a yeah. I got a little bit of time. But I use your bathroom real quick. Sure. Okay. Yeah, that's why I, I think we take a break. Yeah. And uh, we'll talk your head off because I don't get to talk to people. Oh no, I, and I enjoy talking. You can tell I, I, I'm 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 good at it. Uh, go downstairs. Faith Builder. Faith is the building block upon which everything else in our life grows. Do you believe in Jesus Christ? Awesome. He is the only way, truth, and life. It is in Jesus, our faith in Jesus, where everything flows. We have an opportunity to add to our faith, build upon our most holy faith, and grow in faith. That is my goal, to grow in faith. Thank you for tuning in to Faith Builder today. If you are blessed, subscribe to the podcast, share it with others, and consider rating our podcast. This will help us reach further than we could by ourselves. Your help in this is deeply appreciated. Faith Builder. Faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God.